You are listening to the Canadian Immigration Podcast, Episode 79. With Citizenship and Immigration Canada making it increasingly difficult to speak to an officer, there are a few places to turn for information that can be relied upon. The Canadian Immigration Podcast was created to fill this void by offering the latest information on Canadian law, policy, and practice. Please welcome ex-immigration officer and Canadian immigration lawyer, Mark Holthy. As he answers a wide variety of immigration questions and shares practical tips and guidance to help you along your way. Well, hello there, and welcome back to another episode of the Canadian Immigration Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Holthy, coming to you from the beautiful province of Alberta, Canada. Well, for years, my family's always headed down to Montana or somewhere else, BC, to seek our vacation time during the summer. And this will be the first time in a long time where we are going to stay put. And you know, it's interesting how how quickly we are to leave what's close to us and go abroad, go overseas, go to different countries, which is totally cool, and completely lose out on the amazing things that are all around us. So we are going to take advantage of it this year, the Holthy family is, and try to get out and see some other parts of Alberta, especially the north where we rarely go. You know, we'll head up to Edmonton and we'll go to the West Edmonton Mall and we'll do things like that. But rarely do we go any further north. And there's so much that we just have not explored. So we're going to take that opportunity, obviously, during this uh, coronavirus epidemic, um, as the social distancing rules start to uh, to dissipate a little bit and we're starting to see some semblance of normal come back, we are going to go and check out all of the cool fishing spots that we have here. Now, it's going to be pretty hard-pressed finding a place to camp. I think everybody that normally would be heading... Um, abroad are now staying home and I'm sure RV sales have been off the, uh, you know, off the charts. <laughs> Now's a good time to, to be selling tents, but that's what we're going to be doing. And I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I'm sure many of you, wherever you are all over this fine country of Canada and even listening all over the world are just having a chance to kind of slow things down, to appreciate what you have and, and just be grateful for the you know, the the wonderful lands that we have to live in. This earth truly is an amazing place. And I'm actually pretty excited to, to do some road trips and just see what there is to see in our own lovely province of Alberta. And it sure is beautiful, especially this time of year. Well, this episode is a little bit of a throwback. And I shouldn't really say it's a throwback, but a few um, a few years back now, I did an episode with Chris Enders. Um, you can go back and search for that one on the IELTS program and provided some insight Chris did on how to navigate and tackle that particular language test. However, this episode, I brought on a special guest, Garrett Lim, who joined me to kind of separate out the differences between the CELPIP and the IELTS, which many people probably have questions. Well, what is the difference? Well, Garrett came on and he joined me and shared some great insight on the differences between the two. And remember, if your clients are struggling with one, they can always sometimes shift over, write the other one and have better success. So keep that in one of the, you know, as one of the tools in your immigration toolbox that you're using. Um, because when clients are struggling with one, they often, 
you know, find um, that the other one is better suited to their aptitude. And I'm not going to take away any of the thunder from from Garrett, but it is um, this is one that you'll definitely want to listen to. It's a great, great episode, and I want to thank him for joining me. All right, let's jump over to that interview with Garrett Lim. Well, I'm back uh, this in this episode covering a topic that we have um, touched on just a little bit in the past, and that is the English language um, exams that many foreign nationals need to navigate their way through in order to immigrate to Canada. And I have, uh, I've got Garrett Lim here. Welcome, Garrett, for joining us. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, I'm really excited to be here. Excellent. So I was introduced to Garrett through a mutual friend, fellow immigration lawyer, Jeffrey Lowe. And uh, knowing that I'd done a previous episode on the IELTS, um, on the IELTS test, and you can go back, I can't remember which episode it was, but search back Chris Enders and he, uh, Chris is based in Edmonton and he covered a little bit on some strategies for scoring higher on the IELTS test. And so I thought, wow, I should bring someone on to kind of demystify the CELPIP a little bit and maybe make some comparisons with the IELTS. And and so that was part of the reason why um, I was connected with Garrett. And so I'm super excited to have him here to join us. Now, a little bit of background about Garrett. So Garrett has been in this business for, wow, over about 13 years teaching English as a second language. And so, so he's got a ton of experience about it. He's been teaching in... Uh, three countries internationally, and he's indicated to me that he's had students from from over 30 different countries. So you can imagine the opportunity it gave him to uh, to just discover all the different learning styles and where people are coming from. And I think sometimes that has a huge a uh, huge impact on the ability to to teach when you understand a little bit more about where people are coming from. I don't know if that's the case, uh, Garrett, but. Uh, yeah, it definitely, uh, it definitely helps. Everyone's language kind of influences how they speak English as well. So different people make different mistakes. And uh, yeah, we all have to learn and get better, especially if we want uh, good, good marks on that CLB rating. <laughs> yeah, which is so essential to the whole purpose of, you know, the whole process of express entry. So yeah, so I'm super happy to have you join us. Now, the question, you know, whenever I have an immigration lawyer on, I always ask him, uh, how in the heck did you ever get into immigration law of all of all things? So now I'm going to flip it and I'm going to ask you, Garrett, how did you get into English language instruction? Yeah, well, um, English was just my major in university. And uh, there was some courses related to teaching uh, ESL, which kind of appealed to me. I always wanted to go to Japan and teach. So I took those and um, about 12 years later, I uh, got some experience and I uh, was working abroad, married, and um, then I came back to Canada. And um, my wife had to immigrate here. She's she's from Taiwan and going through the whole immigration process. Uh, it's different from express entry, but it really opened my eyes to all these people I've met over the years and um, lots of whom wanted to move to Canada and how important this specific test was or these tests, the IELTS and the CELPIP. It is so integral that I just uh, decided to focus on specifically immigration uh, clients and tests and helping them move to Canada. Awesome. That makes a lot of sense. And, you know, there's a lot of similarities. When I ask that question to many immigration lawyers, they often say, you know, that it just kind of fell into their lap. And realistically, if you probably if you were not uh, seeking to return to Canada with your wife, 
you may not be doing this. And so yeah. a lot of the choices that we make and even the pursuits that we make with our professions are influenced by life circumstances. And uh, that's, you know, to a large extent has been, you know, some of the catalysts for uh, lawyers practicing within the area of immigration law. And then once we, once we get involved, we kind of fall in love with it. So it's, it's great to have uh, non-lawyers and, and other individuals who are providing support to our international clients looking to come to Canada. It's great to have them come and share insight that really it would be hard for them to get in any other place, at least information that they can trust. So thanks once again, uh, Garrett, for joining us. Okay. Let's let's start off right from the beginning. Maybe you can just explain to some of the novices out there, you know, kind of, you know, the difference between the two tests and give us a little bit of background because some people, they've got choices, right? They can choose to write either test, either is recognized, but some people are going to do better on others, you know, on one versus the other. Yeah, absolutely. So um, when you're coming to Canada and you need to do express entry, uh, English is... A big part of that, and there's two tests you can use to prove the level of your English. So the first one is the IELTS, and uh, yeah, I've uh, listened to your podcast with Chris, and uh, so the IELTS is one of the tests. And uh, if you guys want more information on how to do well, you can go back and listen to that. It's pretty good. And another one is the CELPIP. It's a bit of a newer test, and it was developed here in Vancouver uh, at the U- uh, UBC, University of British Columbia. So it's kind of one of the newer ways of, of testing your English. And um, yeah, I'd, uh, so I've, I've looked into both of these. And uh, there's a couple of differences that are pretty important for people. Um, and depending on which t- test you can take, it can really affect the outcome of, of, your, you know, of your marks or of your uh, band that you're trying to achieve. Um, for example, uh, the IELTS uh, is more was developed by the British Council, right? So it's mm-hmm. more British English, the Queen's English. <laughs> and uh, I know like we, we all think we speak British English here, right? Because we spell color C-O-L-O-U-R, right? Of course, but, yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> actually, though, Canadian English or what's on the CELPIP, which is Canadian English, is a lot more similar to American English in a lot of ways. Um, we get lots of influence from, you know, American media, Hollywood and all that stuff. So our pronunciation and our vocabulary is way more... Uh, Americanized. So, uh, Mark, do you say lorry, lift, and flat, or do you say bus, elevator, or apartment? <laughs> yeah, not too often I use, uh, you know, I'm going to go catch the lorry to go downtown, or uh, let's hop on the lift to get to the second floor. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting, I I think, you know, it, it kind of cuts both ways. I think I've always been waiting for someone to say Chesterfield. I don't even know if you recognize that term, but that's one of my personal favorites growing up, Chesterfield, which was basically a sofa. And, uh, yeah. and, and so, yeah, on the, on the English, uh, English channels, I haven't heard them quite use that term. Maybe it's just completely gone out the door, but anytime we have a discussion of what's American and, and, you know, and, and what's Canadian or, or vice versa, that always comes up as well. Yeah, absolutely. And so depending on what kind of English you were, uh, you know, raised on, uh, you know, people from India have more British English, right? But uh, people from, say, Central America typically have more uh, American influences. So they're going to be used to different vocabulary, different pronunciation. And uh, if you're doing the listening test, for for example, for the IELTS, which is British English, and you start off and you, you hear them say, you know, I'm going to my friends, blah, 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 blah. Hmm. Uh, and I'm thinking of what to bring with me. 
you're going to be, oh my goodness, like what, what did he say? What's a flat? What is that word? I don't recognize that. And so all the subsequent listening questions and, and all that thing is just going to be blown right there. And it can really affect the outcome of your test. That's a good point. <laughs> so you're going to go visit your friend over in their flat. Uh, yeah. What are you going to bring as a, um, you know, as a housewarming gift? And <laughs> you're like a flat. What the heck is a flat? He's got a flat tire on his car. <laughs> yeah, I can totally see how that would really mess things up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so I guess um, that's a really important thing that we have to we have to consider when we're choosing which test we want to take, right? The IELTS or the SELP. But, yeah. um, and you, and another key distinction. Oh, oh sorry. I'll, yeah. I'll just jump in. And, and you're right, because I know when I'm advising my clients, you know, those who are outside of Canada, generally speaking, you know, like you identified over in, in um, Asia, kind of Pacific, they do, like it, it tends to be the Queen's English. And those who come to Canada and are working here and they really, you know, have, have acquired their English skills here in Canada over a number of years, invariably they tend to do better on the CELPIP than they do the IELTS for the exact reasons that you've talked about. And it's real. And some people, you know, sometimes they forget that if they don't do well on one, okay, their, their dreams of coming to Canada are not over. You can always consider shifting. You don't have to keep retesting, retesting, paying for, you know, your written component to be remarked. And that's a whole nother word that, you know, world, that nightmare written portion on the IELTS. But, um, but yeah, there, there are options and people just need to choose the one that is going to work the best. And so hopefully you can yeah, continue on and help us to understand some of the distinctions that will help people to choose. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so another key distinction that I find is the focus of these tests. Um, so if we're talking about the IELTS, it focuses a lot on academic English. So for those of you out there listening who are thinking about taking these tests, um, if you grew up in a country that really focused on grammar, writing structure, you know, paragraphs, all these things, uh, you might do better on the IELTS test because that's really what it focuses on. Um, personally, I know most of my friends don't know the difference between a verb and a noun, but, uh, <laughs> and that's you know, the Canadian we know ones. it implicitly, right? We don't <laughs> yeah. need to know that exactly. Yeah. Um, on the IELTS, they like you to, I mean, uh, grammar and vocabulary is about half of the test right there. They want you to have good grammar and show the extent of your grammar. So even if they ask you something simple, like, uh, so what's your name? Introduce yourself. A good answer for that would be, my name is Garrett, but if I had been born a girl, my parents would have called me Chantel, right? <laughs> um, obviously, that's objectively amazing English. It's got very high-level structures. But if you were to introduce yourself like that to everyone in your company, people would think you're like a psychopath, right? Yeah, yeah. It definitely creates some awkward <laughs> situations. Yeah. Um, so uh, the CELPIP, on the other hand, the really key focus on the CELPIP is to test your proficiency in a community and work environment. So they focus a lot more on functional stuff. Uh, guys, if your grammar is fairly poor or you just kind of learn by listening more than learning from textbooks, the CELPIP is probably a little bit better for you. Uh, grammar is probably weighted about an eighth uh, so it's, it's much less than it is on the, uh, on the IELTS test. So I typically have found that, um, Asian people do their, just their English education naturally leads them to do better on the IELTS test. Whereas more verbal and communicative cultures like 
again, Latin, Middle Eastern people, they'd probably have a bit of an advantage on the Celtic. Hmm. That's interesting. That's that's a really good distinction that I hadn't... I knew, you know, um, that there was something about the two tests that was different. I knew that because some of my clients obviously scored better on one versus the other. But I never really put it together that, you know, that this distinction between more functional versus academic. And that makes a lot of sense now. And I see a lot of, especially, I've got tons of Indian clients and, um, and they do tend to, to, to function better on the IELTS. And uh, obviously we know now that the CELPIP is available in, in a, a bunch of other countries. Where, where, where currently can people uh, tackle the CELPIP outside of Canada? Where is it? Do you, have, do you know? Uh, that would be China, uh, India as well, um, the Philippines, uh, UAE, yeah, and yeah. United States and Canada. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got some options out there if you are in range to some of those locations. Obviously, we're recording this in kind of the, the kind of the peak or the downswing, hopefully, of this world of COVID-19. And so there's a lot of places that are just now beginning to offer exams again, just because of all of the restrictions and, and you know, travel and all those things play a role. But do keep in mind that, you know, if you're if you're an international um, applicant who's looking to go through express entry, uh, you're not just restricted to the IELTS if you can track down one of those CELPIP locations. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, about the two tests, uh, there's probably one final distinction that I'd really want to get out there into the ether. ether. <laughs> uh, and that's just basically um, the speaking and writing parts of the test. Uh, I wouldn't say either of them are specifically easier or harder, but... Um, like in terms of the listening and reading, both both tests are pretty similar. You just listen and answer questions. You know, you read a passage and, and have to fill in the blanks or whatnot. But um, but the uh, speaking and writing parts are 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 quite different. They have unique questions. Um, the IELTS wants you again, since it's very academic focused, they have you writing an essay, which needs academic structure. You know, an introduction, thesis statement, body paragraph, and conclusion. But the CELPIP writing requires different. It's uh, it requires you to write a response to a survey, and, or and it gives you specific instructions and all this stuff. So, um, a response? I, Can you give me? Okay, now you've got me curious here. Um, I have toyed with the possibility of of actually writing the IELTS or or the CELPIP just to have the experience. But a response to a survey? What 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 do you mean by that? Uh, I think on their website, jeez, uh, I forget what their question is. It's they ask you to write 250 words on this response, and the government is asking you to f- reply as to how to use the green space in one of their uh, oh, parts. If you want to turn I to a see. park or a shopping mall, just completely so you just random. Have to make a case and, okay, yeah. okay, I see. That that is really really interesting. Very interesting. Okay, wow. Okay, so yeah, keep going. This is really good stuff. Yeah. Um, oh, and just one key note, just the last thing I probably will say about this topic is that, yeah, you're talking about the COVID. Uh, in general, um, the CELPIP is done online. So you have to go to a test location, but all of this is done by computer. So uh, no COVID there, except unless mm-hmm. your neighbor has it next to you. But uh, hopefully that's not the case. Yes. You can wear a mask. But uh, the IELTS test is actually a writing, writing exam. So there's paper typically. I have heard that during this time they are doing it by computer. But in general, you know, after this dies down, knock on wood, 
mm. uh, that uh, uh, you'll it'll go back to a paper setting. So that means uh, those just not so good with computers can can do the IELTS test. Interesting. You know, uh, as I've had lots of experience with clients who've struggled with the exam, and um, I have, as many of the listeners know, I have a, a, a private Facebook group that's called Express Entry Law. And within that group, we have almost 125,000 people. And one of the things that I hear more than you could imagine is people questioning the um, legitimacy of the IELTS test and, uh, and the fraud that exists in some countries and questioning whether or not they are deliberately, in order to force you to go back and write the test again, um, you know, suppressing writing scores and things like that. And then you hear other stories wow. of individuals that, uh, you know, who, who have traditionally done really well and they just get this bad score. And, and there's reports of, uh, of, you know, swapping of tests uh, between people and, you know, individuals paying for, um, you know, to, to get a higher score. And then someone on the back end is like swapping someone's good score and switching the names and, you know, all kinds of crazy stuff like that. And I can tell you, you know, when you have the only barrier preventing you from coming to Canada is, is getting um, a, a seven in the writing on your IELTS, it is unbelievable the extent to which people will go to try to to get that score one way through another you know one way or another and the challenge that you know we see at least i know that immigration faces is you know if someone can't get the score well you know and if they they just keep trying they can't get it well what's the result they're in their country well what if they go and they um you know bribe someone or find some channel to try to get a fake one created or something like that and and they're caught well, what's the result? They're still in their country. And so it's a crazy, crazy world. And at first, I never, ever believed it. But there's just been so many reports sometimes. And I know that IELTS is doing all they can to try to, uh, try to you know, to, to work through this, especially with the writing side, because that's the tricky part and um, uh, with the IELTS. But, but even, you know, even with the test in general, it's, it's not even easy for, the, for the, you know, the people that you think would have no issues. And, um, you know, when you think about everyone that has to write it, it doesn't matter whether you come from an English-speaking country or, or somewhere else. Everybody has to, to write the exams. It's an equally painful process for everyone. So I get, you know, I get CEOs from Texas who are coming up to Canada and are writing the test and are not doing very well on their written. You know, I have some athletes. I have, you know, artists. You know, they're not traditionally good writers. And so they're, they struggle. So it's not like... You know, if you come from a country where English is your first language, that it's just a slam dunk, you're going to maximize all your scores, right? I'm sure you've probably seen that yourself. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have heard of a couple of people from, uh, I think one was Australia, one was from our neighbors down in the States, and they were mm -hmm. just not native English speakers, but yep. they just couldn't perform. And um, I have to admit, some of that does actually um, uh can be attributed to just the expectations of test takers. Sometimes you can write a slam an essay or you can just nail a speaking question, but because you didn't exactly specifically answer what they were asking, if you went a little bit off topic or you didn't include something they asked for, um, that could really hurt, it hurt you in the long run. So just knowing what's on the test and what they're expecting to hear and what they need to hear, um, it, it's all in the, uh, 
it's all in the questions, but that's a big part of it. Um, in terms of the shadowy, you know, <laughs> the uh, elements, yeah, it's everywhere. Elements, yeah. I'm not sure, but I do know several Felpip testers, former and present. Um, since it's all done online, there's less of a chance that they can really mess around or they mm -hmm. have an incentive to, because people don't know who their testers are. They have no contact with yeah. them. Yeah. They don't. So, um, they're, they're, self self is very good with that with their testers. Um, they have several testers rate a certain um, essay every so often, and the testers that are too far off, you know, like too high or too low, have to go through extra training and stuff like that. Yeah, that's so they're really cool. working really hard to. Uh, yeah, to and in no that. way do I mean to disparage. Understand. Even within our own foreign visa right. offices, there are rogue officers that take bribes that immigration very quietly terminates their employment and, you know, and, uh, and sends them on their way versus creating any kind of an embarrassment for the government. So the elements of, of seediness exist in all aspects of it, whether it's immigration consultants or anyone else, agents overseas. Anyone who thinks they can make a buck is uh, is trying to tap into this through somewhat nefarious means, but that's no different than any other industry. One last thing that I wanted to bring up that I'm not even sure if you knew, Garrett, but many of the listeners probably do not, is that you know when you're coming through express entry, yes, your English has to be off the charts. Like you need a CLB nine, or you're just you don't have a prayer. And even then, with the way the comprehensive ranking system scores have increased and increased to the point where you pretty much need almost 470 or more to qualify, that means that your you know your your CLB needs to be not just nine, but maybe even ten in one or two abilities. And so um, it's super super hard if you're outside of Canada come to, to come. But uh, for individuals that are here in Canada, and maybe they're working in different occupations, there are still uh, language requirements often associated with them. Take the Alberta Immigrant Nominee Program, for instance. We have this Alberta Opportunity Stream, and many who are listening from Alberta will be familiar with it. And it's, it's, it's not nearly as, as quick in terms of processing, but it does open up the possibility for people who have lower human capital, who may not have the same level of education or language, um, uh, you know, to, to be able to qualify for permanent residence through a nomination process. And the language levels are often quite a bit lower. So maybe instead of that CLB 9, and I say CLB 9, even though CLB 7 is technically what you need to do to get in, you know, to the pool, Without nine, you're not going to score high enough on the ranking. But with the Alberta Immigrant Nominee Program and a lot of the other provinces, sometimes the level is only a CLP five. And excuse me, but some people who are, you know, um, who who are more um, more technical, more trade oriented, um, even people who are working in, in lower wage occupations in Canada, their English sometimes isn't as isn't as good. Their 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 writing skills are not as good, and in, in some cases, even on top of that, some people have learning disabilities. And one of the things, the most, uh, you know, the, the biggest unknown reality is that if you are in Canada and you've come over on a work permit and you're working and you're just really struggling with a test because you have a learning disability, you know, in whatever form it is, um, Canada, this is the goodness of our dear country, does recognize this and give individuals the ability to apply to have certain aspects of the exam waived. Um, I'll give you an example. So I had a, just an awesome client. They're just they're like a family to me now. And the brother, um, when he came, uh, he was working in I think paint 
uh, I think it was like auto body something, you know, maybe it was, uh, the, the, um, uh, just auto body repair or windshield glass replacement. I can't remember. Um, but he qualified through the Alberta immigrant nominee program. Um, uh, but his English, um, his spoken English was at a six and that was enough, but he, he had a, a learning disability that prevented him from being able to, to, to even score, even to register. And so he was assessed and, uh, you know, we had him actually formally assessed and, and, um, and diagnosed with a learning disability. We presented that to, I think in that case, it was the CELPIP, but both exams are available for that. And, um, and so he wrote it and he was just assessed with his, with his speaking. And then the other bands were averaged. So they were basically all given kind of a six across the board. And we were able to go through, and it took a couple goes because not um, not all the immigration officers were were familiar with this uh, with this accommodation. Um, but in the end, he was successful, and he's now a permanent resident of Canada. So I just bring that up as just something that people need to understand, because you know you could be from the U.S. right, and but you have because of a learning disability, you just cannot score on the writing. And if there is a diagnosed learning disability, you actually have the ability to, um, you know, to request that blended score. Um, so I just thought I'd throw that out there. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of that, but if you do ever run into individuals that you're, you know, that are working with you and are, are trying to improve and you can just see that they just don't have the ability, even in their native language, they don't have the ability. They probably never have been tested for a learning disability. That is an avenue that can potentially save their you know, their opportunity of, um, of staying in Canada permanently. So just thought I'd throw that one out. Well, yeah, I didn't know that. That's uh, good for me as well as a professional to know. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Well, wow, this, Garrett, this is great. You know, we, we kind of covered a, a little bit of a high level on the self-hip, but what you've shared today I think is going to help people to have a better understanding of maybe which one they'd like to tackle first and uh, based on, uh, what you've described here and, and uh, the differences between the exams and, you know, the focuses on each test and, um, you know, and just just the reality of uh, uh, knowing, um, you know, how in the formats and the questions, how they're unveiled, uh, I think it really will help people. So thanks so much. Now, yeah. with people uh, who say, hey, um, that Garrett guy sounds like he knows what he's talking about. Um I think I've been struggling and I just need to hire someone. And if Mark says that I should trust him, then I, I should go ahead and trust him. So how, if someone wants to reach out to you to set up, um, you know, uh, some, some private lessons or however format you, you structure them, um, what's the best way of getting hold of you? Well, um, if you guys need any uh, counseling or uh, an assessment of your skills, uh, I have a website and it's uh, tu-easy dot online so that's two dash easy dot online and you can just get in contact me with me there um i've got a little bit of a of a company with some of uh, my former co-workers and we just help people as um you know meet their english needs and goals whatever they may be so you can just send me a, a message on that and we can uh, connect up perfect that sounds awesome that's great and we'll put a link to that in the show notes as well and uh, yeah, at, at, at the end of the day, this, we've kind of reached the end of this, this little interview, but thank you so much, Garrett, for joining me. And I appreciate the insight and your willingness to share so freely with uh, the listeners of the Canadian Immigration Podcast. 
No problem, Mark. Thanks a lot for having me on. I really appreciate it. You bet. Okay, take care. All right, take care. Well, as always, another great guest joining me. It's always nice to have non-lawyers come in, share their insight. You know, there's so many different uh, ancillary services, ancillary things that are out there to help our clients succeed. And it was great to have Garrett join me today. If you have an idea for an episode that you'd like to come and join me and talk about, I am completely open to anyone sending me an email to mholthy at, um, at holthylaw.com. Um, and, uh, yeah, and we can just talk about the possibilities. I have coming up some more episodes on the appeal, on the appeal process, the judicial review, enforcement, all those kinds of things with my good friend, Rekha McNutt, who practices in Calgary. She's going to be joining me to talk some more about that process. And uh, that's within that series that we're doing. And I hope you enjoyed the, the episodes that I did previously with, with Jeffrey Lowe, which, um, you know, those were longer episodes fairly meaty, but oh boy, they're chock full of insight that you just are not able to get anywhere else. And that's why I bring on the guests that I do. So I want to give a huge shout out to all of my past guests over the years who've really made the podcast what it is today. All of you young aspiring immigration lawyers, um, I did. I do want to give you a shout out and just let you know if you are listening that Holthy Immigration Law is hiring. And so we are at the stage now where we're starting to explore the possibility of bringing in some new people and expanding our little venture here. Um, it's interesting with some of the different social media avenues that we've been pursuing. Um, uh, yeah, the work has continued to come in. And I think a lot of us are, are, are fairly busy um, with the work that we do, although business immigration is very slow. So those who have focused exclusively on that are definitely seeing with the border restrictions some challenges, although... <clears throat> we've been pretty busy with a few of our clients trying to navigate those uh, travel restrictions and, and properly advise on the quarantining and all of those aspects that comes with cross-border um, immigration work. So uh, if you are um, someone who's looking for a new opportunity, Holthy Immigration Law is um, looking for some good people. So let me know, send me an email to mholthy at holthylaw.com and I'd love to hear from you. Other than that, I guess we're just about done here. So let's wrap up this episode. If you like what you're here, go to iTunes, oh boy, iTunes or Stitcher or all of these other locations now that I'm pushing it out to and leave a review. Those reviews help the podcast to get a little bit more reach and exposure. And uh, there's nothing that I like more than to, to have as many people as possible that are able to benefit from um, amazing guests like Garrett and all of the other past amazing lawyers that have joined me. So thanks so much to all of them and all, to all of you. And I'm going to sign off now, wishing you guys all the best uh, as you navigate this crazy world that we call Canadian immigration.
Yeah.